What second are you at? Three, four, five, five, six, seven. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're in this bitch. Oh my God. Welcome back to another episode of Six Feet Forever. Ever, ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm Ebony. <laughs> Goodness oh gracious, y'all. Trying to do this shit remotely is for the birds. It's I don't know how. There's some of you that do it for the whole your whole lives. Like, this is how you do it. And I don't like... We are, we have been struggling, but we are on a path of, of, of good goodness now. It's, it's working out so far. <laughs> Fingers so. crossed. Everything looks to be working. Yes. Dope. Yes, 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 yes. So sorry we missed you guys last week. We have been working. Yay. Okay, Ebony, do you want to share, you want to share your good news? What good news? <laughs> <laughs> oh, about the baby? You guys. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I play too much. I, um, I'm not with child, guys, but I thought that was hilarious. Thank you very much for being a part, a willing participant in my foolishness. I am working on a show at Paramount Studios. Can you say what show it is or no? I don't know. I don't see why not, but uh, let's just be safe. Probably not. Just. <laughs> it's on apple tv okay can you say like a like a very uh loose synopsis of what the show is about <laughs> what my my character mm-hmm. oh, girl, i don't see why i can't say what the show is just what the oh do it <laughs> i fucking um, dare you <laughs> it's the show truth be told on apple tv i play teen poppy guys guess who adult poppy is who? Octavia Spencer. Oh. What, Shante? What is this? No. Oh. I forgot because you've been, you, it, the process was so long and you had mentioned that, but I didn't realize that was this. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's, it has Wow. Been. That actually feels like something you maybe shouldn't have said. <laughs> <laughs> you did way more than I even asked you to. Wait, what? I thought I felt the pressure from you from like thousands of miles away. Okay, but wait. Yes. <laughs> so like, is that a plot point that's going to be revealed? Like a sneak reveal? Like people's no. not supposed to know that? No, 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 no. I mean, throughout the, throughout the series, they've shown flashbacks of her at different age points. Okay. So, yeah. That's so, so fucking no. cool. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I was having a, uh, I was, you know, obviously always full of gratitude, but I was driving today and I was like, you know what? It's been 10 years in the game. And I mean, in LA specifically, mm -hmm. a lot longer, actually 21 years, Jesus. but just a lot of just gratitude surrounding, you know, just being able to work <laughs> and work. Yeah. So that's, that was my, that was my. Listen. They tried to do your girl real raggedy with this schedule, but oh she gosh. came through, she persevered, <laughs> and we so made it. I did. Look at God. Mm -hmm. I am. So the I reason. I know. Where are you at? We're remote is because I am in Atlanta, Georgia, doing a play. So it's cool. It's a Midsummer Night's Dream. Everybody knows what that is. Yeah, so but who are you playing? That's sis? exciting. I'm playing Puck. I mean. Uh, Duh. It's cute. <laughs> it's cute. So, um, I mean, if y'all want to come through, come through. <laughs> what are the dates? Just hop on a plane. What are the dates? I believe May 
12th is the dress rehearsal, and then the 13th through the 16th is the show. It's a very short run, short rehearsal process, but again, very happy to be working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your girls out here trying to get paid and shit, and so Mm -hmm. that's why we had to, you know, we we tried so hard to make it work last week, and it just wasn't possible. So that's what happened. We are happy to be back. Yeah. Life. Yes. Um, Speaking of... I wanted to go through, so I had had a whole list of news things I wanted, news points I wanted to make from last week from that we didn't now. get to do. <laughs> yeah, so I just want to like run through what they were. We don't even have to talk about them. I just want to read my list. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. <laughs> I just want to read my list. <laughs> I'm not mad at you. I'm a list person. Natasha Bedingfield is apparently storing pockets full of sunshine <laughs> in her back pockets. Hella <laughs> thick. She wanted y'all to know. We didn't know, but now we do. And she said, always. I've always mm. been this thick. And then... <laughs> Was that what she said? She Basically, somebody said, like, girl, has it always been like this? She was like, yeah, actually, yeah. Like, she, <laughs> <laughs> but she wanted y'all to know. She pulled up in that video with her with her pants halfway down her ass shaking it. And we said, sis! This is one of those TikTok challenges, right? <laughs> yeah. It was, she was doing some dance. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Nice. Uh, Lena Waithe. The mm-hmm. black community is not fucking with Lena Waithe this month. <laughs> People are the not black happy about is them. the toughest on Lena Waithe. And <laughs> I, you know, I just can't hop on it yet. I, I mean, her pro- some projects I'm like, eh, but listen, I got no, no, feel no ways about Lena Waithe. I'm going to tell you this. I'm not about to watch this show them, but do your thing, sis. Can we get something <laughs> that's not based in black trauma? That's all we're asking. That's, that's all fair. we're asking. That's we fair. fuck with you. You're a good writer. There was a volcano on the island of St. Vincent. Mm-hmm. I actually don't even know what happened with that. I didn't look at, look it up after that. I just saw <laughs> it. I said, I need to talk about this. And then we didn't have the podcast. I know. It traveled. So obviously the volcano erupted in St. Vincent. And then it traveled so far. It hit. It passed through the Bahamas and a few other islands in close proximity to St. Vincent. And I mean, they were covered in ash. It was 12 o'clock in the, in the day. Like and pitch black. It was black. It was scary. And they were scared. And I mean, there's still there's still definitely like um, remnants of ash and stuff like that in the sky. But, you know, the U.S. media does not push uh, things that they don't care about. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, um, we're busy being super racist over here. We don't have time for these. (laughs) I know. (laughs) These things affecting your lives. Mm -hmm. What else? St. Louis elected their first black female mayor. Yes. Woo! I'm very excited about that. And sis, is, she seems like she's ready to go. Ready to get shit done. Awesome sauce. <laughs> Amanda Gorman was on the cover of Vogue. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yes. Just, again, just blowing our fucking eyebrows back. This girl is so talented and just everything. Did you see that she turned down $17 million work? No, of, bitch. Yes, she turned down $17 million worth of sponsorships. This is off the backs of her conversation with Oprah about protecting her brand and, and only promoting things that she stands for. Sis turned down $17 million. Who was offering her 17 mil? I can only imagine book deals that... Mm would have a say in how she in what she writes being able to edit out things and probably like just a whole like just major companies that Mm -hmm. wanted to take over her brand and commercialize it and i think you know i think she made the right decision because (laughs) 
She said, I'm friends with Oprah. <laughs> For sure. Shove it. Smart gal. Smart gal. I'm so interested to see what, what she does because she's so, she's a baby. Going to run for president. She's 22. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> like, insane. <laughs> insane. Mahershala Ali apparently started off as a rapper. I mm-hmm. found this out and was shocked. Did you know that? <laughs> I Twitter Twitter informed me because I think it was the one they were trying to figure out who's the best rapper turned yes. movie star. And there was there was um Will Smith was the leading, and then I think second was LL Cool J. Look, then- I'm gonna have to disagree <laughs> with both of those things and say that it's Queen Latifah. Ooh, I don't know, girl. I s- look, I saw a, a tweet. Some girl made points. She said Queen Latifah could play. I am legend, but Will Smith could not do Chicago. And I said, that's fucking that right there. This lady is versatile. She's been in the game since the, what, the 80s? Please give her her things. That's true. That's true. I have to say Queen Latifah. Who else, who else was there? There was like... Um, there was Jamie Foxx, but he's more so a singer. Yeah, that's true. But I think really that's just about it. I don't really know if anyone took anybody else serious. Enough, what about Ice T? Ice T's been on SVU. This SVU is crazy. For Thirty years. I, seriously, I mean, he's getting a check. I mean, at, whew, I can only. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> Ice T was like, "What did I say? I said f the police. I lied. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> I was like, young. I was. I don't. They weren't, what? <laughs> I didn't even know this type of money existed. What? So yeah, Ice T said, <laughs> "I swallow all of my words." Oh my god. They put a helicopter on Mars. I'm assuming Elon Musk had something to do with that directly. Did they really? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Wow. Why you ask? I still don't know. They just put it there. They put it there. They wanted to see it like it if it could hover. It was hovering. Has to the the propellers have to go at a rate of 2,400. I, I don't know. It's they have to go very much faster than they do on Earth because the atmosphere is very thin on Mars. And I was like, okay, uh, was that the th- was that the experiment or like? I think it it might be there to also collect data, but I'm just kind of like over the whole Mars saga. I'm like, what else do we need to know? What are y'all trying to gain? You're. So I bet over. they're trying to find resources on Mars because I'm like, I know y'all cannot think at this point that you're gonna live there. You still can't think this. Yeah. But they're probably trying to plunder it, like you know, the way they did Africa. So uh, they're just searching. <laughs> Just searching for shit to steal, per usual. Mm-mm. You inform me. <laughs> Arclight Theaters and Pacific Theaters to close permanently. We spoke about this earlier, but I still stand behind the amount of money that's in California. Mm-hmm. The, the amount of careers that have been launched in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. All those people need to pull together and get these people through five years of a lease and let them rebuild. I mean, it was tough. I'm. I, it's still tough, but I do think there's going to be a, a boom post-pandemic in theaters, and I, everyone should be able to experience being able to watch a film in the dome, the arc-like theater, especially in Hollywood. Right. I mean, especially as an actor, I think that was like that just really ignited fire in me when I was able to watch there. And also, I've seen so many actors like surprise us after you know their film has been featured there and i think that was also a fun uh experience so that's what i think i think all these actors need to pull together are arclight and pacific only in california or southern california possibly because i've never heard of it on the east coast 
I just, I was very shocked that they're all closing. That blew my mind. I figured some of them would, obviously, but when they said all, I was like, no, this is a tragedy, actually. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah, there's Hollywood, Sherman Oaks, Culver City, Santa Monica. Yeah, you're right then. Like, I I totally agree with you. Like, so they, there's absolutely no reason they couldn't have saved these theaters or at least chosen one of them and then, like, saved one of them. Especially the one in Hollywood. Like, come on. Which I think they're going to, I think, you know, I think this is their ultimate cry for help. Mm. You know, companies do that. <laughs> Fingers crossed, because that is really crazy. Yeah. Do we want to talk a little bit about the results of the trial of the fucking century? Um, yes. After I correct myself, it says here that there are arc light theaters in Chicago. Oh. Didn't know that. Wait, and I, they've got to be other places then too, right? Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, let's see. There's some in Boston and Maryland. Oh, well, maybe I'm thinking about the dome. Okay, well, so yeah, this is like, this would require a lot of saving. (laughs) (laughs) Pacific theaters have to be, have to be at least only on this coast, right? I mean, here's the name. Okay, so here, it's one in Culver City, El Segundo, Hollywood, Pasadena, San Diego, Santa Monica, Sherman Oaks. That's in California. There are two in in Illinois, one in Chicago, one in Glenview, one in Boston, Massachusetts, and one in Maryland, Bethesda, (laughs) I think. (laughs) Yeah, so that's 11. Okay, fucking light work. They could do (laughs) They for sure. They for sure. Over here not trying to help at all. I'm like... uh what are you guys doing? Open your pockets and your wallets. Sure, for sure, for sure. Um, I do hope they save some of them shits because, wow, history, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you watch the final statements and everything? Girl, yes, I did. The it Derek was... Chauvin trial? I did. I did. I did. Any any takeaways from Well, I watched... Uh, any takeaways from the... Well, I mean, Eric Nelson, who is um, part of the defense attorney team, he was just honestly grasping at anything. I listened to a reporter comment about what the jurors thought about his presentation. Mm -hmm. And I guess he was saying some things that, which I thought were also just super kind of like ludicrous and just really grasping for just fucking air at this point. (laughs) And the reporter said that (laughs) two of the jurors shook their heads as he was like, just trying to figure out any and every little BS that he could pull out of his butt to create some sort of doubt. But I think it was clear. I think after it came back the next day, I was like, okay, I know that he's going to be convicted. Um, and actually was hopeful that it was going to be in all three. So I wasn't surprised by all three. See, that's what shocked me. All three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, di- I didn't expect it because, okay, I guess in my head, I was like, this seems to me very cut and dry. Again, I didn't watch all of it like you did. But I, um, from what I know, I was like, okay, this is easy. This take like four hours, girl, like whatever. So when it was taking like 11 hours, granted, that's still very quick. Mm -hmm. But I thought, okay, he's going to get convicted on like two of the counts or Mm -hmm. one of the counts. So I was like sitting there waiting, just shaking. I was Mm -hmm. so nervous because I don't know what's going to happen to the country if if in this moment, like in terms of civil unrest and shit, if he doesn't get convicted of all three of these things. I was under the influence, so <laughs> I it's four twenty. Good choice. Guys. Um, Good choice. So I heard the verdict, and I just took a fat nap after, which <laughs> I was like, <laughs> just okay, a piece. But just, okay, it, what 
I mean, I wasn't at ease. I, I felt like I should have felt joyous and whatnot. But honestly, I, it just felt like I was just holding my breath for the next incident that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't long after at the same time, a 15 year old girl, Makia Bryant, was shot by police. I will go ahead and say that I did see the video and she was mm-hmm. in the act of, you know, attempting to jab at another young black girl in front of her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's obviously all unfortunate but i do again you guys know how passionate i am about protecting the children and i'm just like we've also we've still failed we've still failed that young girl kyle rittenhouse from mm-hmm. wisconsin can be detained after killing two people but two teenagers in a fight one yeah. has to die in order you know for, to to feel for in order for people to quote on feel, feel safe again and she's and the one who called heart. Cause she didn't she say those girls were trying to jump her. She was about, yes. she was gonna fight or something like that. So she called because she was scared. And then this is what happened. Yeah, it's. But I saw that it happened, and I was like, I saw that the video. There was like a video of her laying there, and I was like, I can't really look at this. Oh, right I didn't. Now. Like this I couldn't is, watch. I couldn't watch that video. I just watched the clip right up until you know the knife was mm-hmm. being rotated around her weight, around the waist, and aiming at someone else that incident really drives the point home that Derek Chauvin being convicted is not what justice is no it's him he's being held accountable for something terrible that he did Mm -hmm. justice would be if this was not even something that we had to deal with sure yeah sorry did I cut you off were you gonna say something no 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 I just it's just exhausting Mm -hmm. I think we talk about that often it's just draining and I've I've purposefully not I'm trying not to engage too much just trying to uh, pace myself in the amount of information that I take in and, and how I allow it to affect me from my day to day. Yeah. I mean, we, again, we failed, we failed both of those young, young girls that they were that angry in front, <laughs> that angry, right? We, we failed those girls even before it got to the situation it got to. We, we've got to step up for our kids and especially black girls, especially black girls. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I was reading this earlier. It says Merrick Garland, who is the attorney general, announces an investigation Mm -hmm. into the Minneapolis Police Department. It says investigators will seek to determine whether the Minneapolis Police Department engages in a pattern or practice of using excessive force, including during protest, whether it engages in discriminatory conduct and whether its treatment of those with behavioral health disabilities is unlawful. They will also review the department's policies, training, supervision, and use of force investigations, and whether its current systems of accountability are effective at ensuring that police officers act lawfully. I mean, I could answer that. Right. I mean, that's going to turn up a no. And then you need to go ahead and you need to do all of that same shit for every police department in the nation. And then, then, then can we decide to defund these motherfuckers? Then? Will that be the time? You know the answer to that. For God's sake. You know the answer to that. Everything I'm thinking, we've already talked about. It's just we, like, I know. I'm like, they're never, we're never going to learn. There's mm-hmm. people getting, what is it? We're averaging fucking two mass shootings per day. Whew. And we're still never, when are are we going to do anything about guns? Probably not. Probably not. And it's the same thing with this shit with the police. It's like, how many more times do you really need to see it? I was tired. What else did I have here? Oh, so fucking finally, I don't know if you saw this. All homeless people on Los Angeles Skid Row must be offered housing by the fall, which has been ordered by a judge. Bitch, miracle? Because Eric Garcetti has had his head up his ass. (laughs) 
<laughs> the entire time he's been the mayor of this city. Wow. Yeah. So it says the order comes in response to a federal lawsuit filed last year by several citizens, business owners, and community leaders who argue officials have failed to address the homeless crisis in Los Angeles as tents line full city blocks and makeshift shelters cramp under s- street overpasses. Sure. Los Angeles, mm-hmm. it says LA has lost its parks, its beaches, its schools, its sidewalks and highway systems due to the inaction of city and county officials who have left our homeless citizens with no other place to turn. Absolutely. I'm very excited for that because it needed to be done. All this hemming and hawing back and forth, what to do, what are we going to do, when are we going to do it, how are we going to fucking do it? I'm satisfied with that. We'll see what happens. But I was very pleased. <laughs> so am I. I have... I don't have anything to add. That congratulations. I'll give credit when credit is due if that Right. <laughs> yes. I will say that obviously all of this momentum came off the backs of what happened last summer, right? All mm. of these things propelled and pushed people forward and we you know, we organized, we just advocated together and I think it's just really nice to see what happens when we the constituents get together and demand change <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're so powerful. And I yeah. is not lost on me that that is definitely as a result of that huge shift that we saw last summer. Right, right. And I definitely think in terms of where COVID is concerned, because there are so many people that so many are in this position to become homeless or on the cusp of homelessness or who have mm-hmm. already become homeless because of, mm-hmm. you know, losing their, their income and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think part of it is too that it's like the city is like, what else we can't take any more. Like it's, I just think they realize like we're at a boiling point. Like it Truly. needs to, and it's, I mean, it's been there, but I'm just thankful for this judge, judge, what is it? David Carter who, yeah. I have now in the last two weeks have been to Skid Row three, four, four times. Just, and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really bad. It's really bad. And I, I, I mean, obviously we've lived here for a long time, but it just seems like every year it just gets increasingly bad i just see some things that i'd rather not repeat on this podcast Mm -hmm. but i yeah there has to be some quick action with homelessness and then there's a huge drug issue too Mm -hmm. mental health issue also i will say on top of that it's like in addition to those terrible things there also are people who are you know working homeless Mm-hmm. So like living out of their cars, living in tents in the park and then going to work every day and nobody knows, nobody's the wiser. They can't afford even while having a job, a place to live in the city. And that's fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So on top of housing these people and helping people, you know, get the services they need, it's also an issue of what about, what are we going to do about the rent? Like yeah. the rent that keeps skyrocketing because it's, people can't afford to live that as well. But yes, that's a good step forward. I think I mentioned this to you last week. Uh, New data is confirming a baby boom that some doctors expected because of COVID was actually a baby bust. (laughs) Health departments in more than two dozen states provided records to CBS News showing a 7% drop in births in December, nine months after the first lockdowns began. So to me, I was like, so? (laughs) What does it matter? But I guess they're very troubled because they're thinking that the way that the that the population is shrinking, there's not going to be anybody to take care of the people who are currently entering retirement, who are going to live for another 30 years and whatnot. There's not going to be anybody to take care of them. And to that, I say, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say anything ignorant, but I am going to say, yes, these numbers, this might be very accurate information. I will also say maybe if they paid 
<laughs> certified <laughs> caregivers more money, what sure. they were fucking worth to take care of our relatives and people who can't take care of themselves anymore and don't have anybody else who can do it for them or whatnot. Or, it, you know, maybe this wouldn't be such an issue. Because I guarantee there aren't as many people going into that field as there were maybe like, you know, 15 years ago or whatever. Sure. It's very fucking laborious work. Mm-hmm. It's physically, mentally, and spiritually taxing. You're literally taking care of another human. You're changing diapers. You're moving people Ooh. beds. You're doing all this shit. And you're getting paid minimum wage. You start at minimum wage. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding? So maybe that's something that they could look into as well if they're super alarmed. But it's <laughs> <laughs> also like... Okay. This passive aggressiveness <laughs> undertone is absolutely hilarious right now. I could be incredibly wrong. It's just the first thought that came into my brain. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but what did you say? What did you say when I told you about this? What did I say? Oh. You said something like you was like, I don't give a fuck. I'll take care of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry guys, sometimes I'm ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm going to have these kids. I'm going to have these kids mm-hmm. and take real good care of these kids. <laughs> so they take real good care of me. Facts. Play the long game. You know? Yeah. My mom always said, once a man, twice a child. So if you're not really out here planning and treating people well, it's going to be a hard time out here for you in these streets. Yeah. When you get to an old age. <laughs> I, I guess I did really, I really thought there were going to be, you know, a million COVID babies as well. So I was also incorrect. I but. think they should redo that study. Mm-hmm. Around and see how many babies are born in May, June. Because I think a lot of people around that time realize we're in this for the long haul. And mm. then would be a good time to have a baby. So I'm thinking, I think it should track from like August or September when you were like, oh, we're inside, inside. You know what I mean? And track, and then track <laughs> right. from there. And I think that hits June, May, July. I think that's what I want them to do. Because I know... I know a few, few pregnant people right now. I think they should put us on the payroll because I feel like we got to, we get this shit figured out. <laughs> oh, I was like, what? Boom. <laughs> we solved. Are you smart? <laughs> we sure are. <laughs> what was the other? Oh, okay. And for my weird science fact, it's not super weird. I don't know how, how bothered you'll be. I was actually quite bothered, but I feel like you're going to be like, whatever. <laughs> Lab-grown embryos mix human and monkey cells for the first time. Why, you ask? It says, by slipping human stem cells into the embryos of other animals, we might someday grow new organs for people with faltering hearts or kidneys. And a step toward that goal, researchers have created the first embryos with a mixture of human and monkey cells. These chimeras could help scientists hone techniques for growing human tissue in species better suited for transplants, such as pigs. So this is what you're telling me. You're going to grow human kidneys inside of a pig, and then you're going to operate on this pig and take its kidney. Like, (laughs) so so now this pig has to recover from a fucking surgery because you couldn't take care of your kidneys, bitch? Like, no, 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 that's not fair. (laughs) That's not fair. Lots of people have kidney failure and has not because they're not taking care of it. I'm speaking in hyperbole, however, it seems <laughs> fucked up <laughs> to be like uh, harvesting pigs for human organs. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what next? I'm sorry. I'm what not next? Gonna... <laughs> what you mean, what next? It's for the betterment of the greater good, woman! But why don't animals get to be included in the greater good? That seems like, okay, I don't know if the pigs got to die or give its life for the kidney, but like... 
Hudson. I know how painful it is to recover from getting cut open. What would you rather? Humans? You rather them incubate humans and grow it in humans and then you'd be like, oh, that's distorted and twisted? No, I guess I just would rather not at all. Just want motherfuckers to die so they don't get old so that way no one, they don't have to worry about this baby boom. We're fucking with nature. (laughs) (laughs) We've been fucking with nature. Would you like to get into the ocean? All the plastic. Where's the line between this and Jurassic Park? It's bitch? science. Like, where is it's it? It's forever development, bro. It's the reason know, that we can live it's... as long as we can is because of things like vaccines and transplants and and all of these things that in the back in previous life. Oh, these people are about to fall off the roof. Um, <laughs> in in Side a note. previous generation, we would never have predicted. Of course, but this just seems cruel. I dislike it. <laughs> I you can dislike it, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say. I feel like, again, I'll say this. I'll say this once again. I feel like we just need to leave animals the fuck alone to their own devices and stop operating on them and growing kidneys inside their bodies. You know, it's weird. <laughs> and I think it's mean. I think we're I think we're beyond that. You know, I think we're beyond it. <laughs> I'm not going to. I am. I'm not going to argue that, but I would. <laughs> oh it's hot in this room oh my god God. (laughs) okay well shiggity shit you got any more news today sis (laughs) (laughs) what's wrong with you i'm just thinking about nothing i'm sorry let us transition transitioning to story time so this is the story of the disappearance of rico harris oh god how how you so already assuming say, that it's gonna be so- how you even say the title is creepy? Go ahead, I'm ready for this you. This is I don't think this is a creepy. Well, I mean, okay, whatever. You be the judge. So, Rico Harris was born on May 19th, 1977, to parents Margaret Fernandez, a caregiver for the elderly, full circle, and Henry Harris, a semi-professional basketball player. The eldest of four children, Rico's early childhood saw him and his family move around quite a bit, first to Oregon, then to Los Angeles, before finally setting in Alhambra, California, upon his parents divorcing. Growing up, Rico was known for being a gentle giant. He was soft-spoken and shy, yet always had a smile on his face. He was described by friends and family as easy to like and incredibly hardworking, and he saw life as something he could use to help those around him. From the time he was a kid, Rico had a dream of one day becoming a professional basketball player. This passion was passed down to him from his father, and he also saw the profession as a way in which he could provide a better life for his family. He attended Temple City High, soon joining its basketball team. While in attendance at the school, he was seen as a star player. Rico, already 6 feet 8 inches tall and 215 pounds at that point, was an immediate sensation on the basketball court. His presence on the team transformed the previously undistinguished Temple City program into a contender and drew college scouts. Other teams would double and triple team him, recalled one of his coaches, but you could just watch him for a couple plays and you could see the player that he was destined to be. Off the court, Rico was initially a shy and poor student. However, after meeting a girlfriend whose academically inclined family helped him with his studying, he improved both socially and academically, achieving a 3.0 grade point average. Upon graduating high school, Rico attended Arizona State University, which had accepted him despite his poor academic performance. He had had the opportunity to play for several NCAA basketball programs, but never did due to a combination of academic and legal difficulties. 
Rico eventually transferred to Los Angeles City College in the hope of improving his grades and playing for Herrick at Rhode Island. He led the team to its first state championship title, and after that, he decided to transfer to Cal State Northridge. Harris had attempted to reconcile with his father in the offseason, but had been rebuffed. He began drinking heavily and could no longer fully contain his underlying emotional difficulties. Early in the season, Coach Braswell suspended him briefly after he argued with other teammates and coaches. When he returned after his suspension, he still performed well, averaging 10 points a game and leading the team in rebounds, but the NBA scouts who had been following his career could see that his performance was off from his previous heights and took him off their list of prospects. Mm. Near the end of the season, Coach Braswell suspended Harris again. The player did not attend a meeting with his coach in Braswell's office to mark his reinstatement. Harris would never play college basketball again and left Northridge shortly after the season's end. Upon leaving school, he was hired by the Harlem Globetrotters, with whom he was with for approximately two months. While driving with a girlfriend in Los Angeles, he got into a dispute with some people. After he left the car to confront them, someone hit him in the back of the head with a baseball bat. Harris was able to leave the scene and drove off, but soon he started having intense headaches and had trouble keeping his balance. These after effects of the head injury persisted, and he had to leave the Globetrotters. At the age of 24, his basketball career was officially over. This sent Rico's life into a tailspin. Harris returned to his mother's house in Alhambra. He had no job prospects and no plans for what he might do besides play basketball. Soon, he returned to drinking. His mother continued to take care of him as well as his younger siblings, all of whom were likewise battling substance use disorders to some degree. Hmm. She hoped Rico would, in her words, snap out of it, but his addiction instead broadened to include heroin, methamphetamine, and crack. He would sniff Ajax just to feel the burn, a friend David Lara recalled. Wow. Through the 2000s, I know, man. Through the 2000s, Harris experienced many relapses. He was arrested over 100 times, most commonly for public intoxication. After a few days in jail, he often resumed drinking. To support his habits, he would sometimes beg in the street. It was despair, bro. It was down there. It was the darkest of the dark, says Lara. During this time, he overdosed and made the decision to enter a rehab program at the Salvation Army Adult Rehabilitation Center and began to build a sober life for himself. Hmm. Rico managed to stay clean and was able to hold down a job and started to get his life back on track. For several years, Rico worked in private security in L.A., which led to him meeting his girlfriend Jennifer Song in 2012. Jennifer, an insurance broker from Seattle, Washington, had been in Marina Del Rey, California, and met Rico while he was managing security at a nightclub. In order to maintain their two-and-a-half-year-long-distance relationship, the pair phoned, texted, and visited each other over long weekends. In 2014, Rico began to talk about the future and wished to marry Jennifer. He had begun to move his things into her Seattle townhouse. He transitioned into a job selling vacation timeshares, and while difficult at first, he was beginning to acclimate to life in Seattle. In September 2014, Jennifer began to notice a shift in her boyfriend's behavior. When she confronted him about this, he admitted that he'd relapse at the end of July, early August, after being clean for about seven years. Mm-hmm. Rico also shared this info with a friend and recognized it was an issue that he needed to fix. On October 8, 2014, Rico told Jennifer that he was going to spend the day exploring Seattle. Jennifer got off work, went to the gym, and when she returned home around 8 p.m., she saw that Rico wasn't there and assumed he was still out exploring. Upon texting him, however, she learned he was actually driving through Oregon on his way back to Alhambra. Uh, That's where his mom lives in California. At around 2 a.m. on October 9th, Rico arrived at his mother's house. His mother was concerned with his behavior. She said she felt as though her son had been drinking again. While there, he took his younger brother out for dinner. 
At 10.30 p.m. that same day, Margaret suggested that her son take a nap before heading back to Seattle the next day. According to her, Rico literally had not slept the entire time he was in California. However, wanting to arrive back to Seattle by 7 p.m. in order to attend a barbecue with neighbors and a meeting about a possible real estate job, Rico didn't heed his mother's wishes and he set off for Seattle. Mind you, um, the distance between Seattle and Alhambra is 17 hours. He drove straight through and then didn't sleep the entire time he was at home visiting. So around 1 a.m. on October 10th, Rico called Margaret, his mother, who hadn't realized her son had already left. Soon after, he contacted his girlfriend, Jennifer, who too was surprised to learn he was already on his way back to Seattle. Mm -hmm. The pair chatted for approximately three to four hours, during which Jennifer grew concerned for her boyfriend's state of mind, as by that time he had been awake for nearly 40 hours. Wow. Jennifer eventually fell asleep and upon waking around 8 a.m. called Rico, who told her he was near Sacramento buying gas. Jennifer noted he sounded tired during this call. During the day, Margaret checked in with him, but wasn't able to get a hold of him the next time she called him. Jennifer also tried to call him again, but didn't receive an answer. At 10.44 a.m., Rico texted Jennifer to apologize for missing her call. After this, her numerous calls to his cell phone went unanswered. When Rico hadn't arrived at Jennifer's house, she grew more worried. If he were driving straight through, he should have arrived home between 3 and 5 p.m. October 10th. At around 8 p.m., she called Margaret to ask if she should file a missing persons report, but the two agreed to wait it out. Jennifer repeatedly checked her phone for any missed messages or calls from her boyfriend, but there were none. She also tried to tell herself that he may have booked a hotel for the weekend in order to clear his mind. On October 12th, a sheriff's deputy in Yolo County was doing a routine inspection of a parking lot in Lower Sight, an isolated rest area in Yolo County Regional State Park. While doing so, he saw a black Nissan Maxima parked off to the side, but didn't think much of it until he saw it was still there the next day. He ran the plates, discovered it belonged to Rico Harris, and contacted the Alhambra Police Department. Alhambra Police went to Margaret's house upon receiving word of Rico's car being abandoned and told her it had been found hundreds of miles away. After this, she contacted Jennifer and immediately filed a missing persons report, which launched the official investigation. The police contacted Rico's cell phone provider to ask for pings. Within the hour, they were informed it had pinged in the Redwood Valley area, 70 miles away from where the car was found. This prompted investigators to reach out to the residents of that area to ask about possible sightings of Rico. Upon inspection of the car, it was discovered that the battery was dead and it was completely out of gas. It had also appeared to have been ransacked as there were items all over the floor. Amongst the items found were Rico's Washington State driver's license and his credit card. This led police to question if Rico had driven his car to where it was found or if someone else had. The card was processed for fingerprints and DNA. A search and rescue team was ordered to look through the area. The search, which involved all-terrain vehicles and an airline equipped with a heat-sensing camera, spanned a five-mile radius around the parking lot where the car was found, as well as the 27 miles along Route 16 through the canyon. This was of great importance to authorities, given the dangerous terrain and animals in the area. During the search, no trace of Rico was found in the woods or on the road near the parking lot. However, large footprints and inserts from his tennis shoes were discovered down by Cache Creek, which indicated he'd actually been the one to drive his car to the area. This also led police to speculate that he could have come to the area to either refresh himself or take in the scenery. Early into the investigation, a promising lead was called in from a man in Redwood who said he had Rico's cell phone. According to him, he, his wife, and grandson had found a backpack along the side of the road. They picked it up to see if there were any ID in it, but couldn't find any. 
To try and find the owner, they yelled up and down the road, as well as looked down the creek but couldn't see anyone, so they took it with them. When police received the backpack, it only raised more questions. When shown where it had been found, they could find no indications of a struggle, and they were confused as to why Rico had just left it on the side of the road. It contained within it a set of jumper cables, some clothing, and bottles of alcohol. Speculation arose as to whether Rico had gone down to the creek only to exit through a different path and hitch a ride out of the area, leaving his backpack behind. A search of his cell phone uncovered a video that had been filmed while Rico was parked in the lower site. It showed him sitting in his car, unaware he was filming, ripping things up and tossing CDs around the car, which explained why it had been in such disarray. This led police to question the missing man's state of mind. Over the next several days, the search for Rico continued, focusing on nearby fire roads and canyons, as well as the creek in the area surrounding it. However, no further trace of him was found. The more they searched, the more investigators began to question why Rico had been so far from Interstate 5, which was the road he needed to be on if he wanted to reach Seattle. This led them to look into his history and his past struggles with alcohol and drugs. This made them think he could have come to the area to do drugs as it was secluded and out of sight. As he would have been awake for nearly 50 hours upon arriving at the rest area, they speculated he could have been using drugs to keep himself awake. A complete inventory of the contents of Rico's car resulted in the discovery of a bindle, which is known by authorities to be used to store drugs. However, no traces of anything illicit were found within it and no paraphernalia was discovered in the vehicle. Police also looked in surrounding towns known for dealing and using drugs, as well as local homeless shelters and transient camps, but found no sign of Rico. A missing persons alert was then raised to the press, neighboring law enforcement, and thousands of area cell phones. Within a day of it going out, dozens of calls were made to the Yolo County Sheriff's Office. Three witnesses claimed to have seen a tall African-American male on October 12th, the day after he went missing. The first said he had been sitting on a guardrail. A second saw him walking southbound on Highway 16, and a couple saw him walking around a black car, seemingly confused. As well, the three accounts came on the same day his backpack had been discovered by the man from Redwood Valley. This further supported the speculation that Rico had hitchhiked out of the area. On October 19, 2014, a witness came forward to say he'd seen a large individual wearing light-colored pants of a similar hue to the ones Rico had been wearing when he left Alhambra, walking on a cattle guard near the bushes, near the parking lot in Lower Sight. When searched, additional fresh footprints were found, which were consistent with Rico having returned to the area. Investigators surmised he must have returned to grab his belongings, but are unsure as to where he could have gone. One month into the investigation, cadaver dogs were sent into the wooded area near the lower site. One of the dogs favored a deep pond in the area, but a dive search of the water turned up no evidence. Jennifer has been proactive throughout the duration of the investigation, as has Margaret. They've both spoken to multiple news outlets about Rico's disappearance, and Jennifer set up a Facebook page to help raise awareness. They both feel a negative bias was placed on the investigation due to Rico's troubled past. Detectives continue to check Rico's credit report for any use of his cards or incidences of identity theft, but nothing has come up. His bank account also has not been touched since he set off for Seattle. As of 2015, the case has gone cold. Margaret began to experience a deep depression as a result of her son's disappearance. Margaret and Jennifer have grown close as a result of Rico's disappearance. They speak on the phone almost every day and seek each other as comfort. So that is the disappearance of Rico Harris. This last, there's case contact information that says um, Rico Harris went missing from Yolo County, California on October 10th, 2014. He was 37 years old and was last seen wearing light colored pants. At the time of his disappearance, he was 6'9 and weighed approximately 280 pounds. He is African-American and has a ball in for life and a basketball tattooed on his left arm. 
Currently, he's classified as a missing person. If alive, he would be 42 years old today. If you have any info regarding the case, you can contact the Yolo County Sheriff's Office at 530-668-6612. What happened to him? What do you think? I don't know. I'm just like, it literally doesn't make sense that he's just completely gone. I don't think he ran away, like disappeared off with his friends. You can cross Mm -hmm. that out, right? Like, I don't think that happened. I'm like, did something get him out there? Like eat him? Yeah, but I'm like, he's so big. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't there be some remnants of him? Yeah. And even like that, the weirdness of him being up for like 50 hours straight. What? So he- weird sorry go ahead well so he clearly wasn't in his right mind like that's no. exhaustion then like he said if you, if he if he's using like uppers to stay awake then he's not in his in a good frame of mind but it's okay yeah he could have hitched a ride but how is he just not turned up ever again is that something that he did normally like stay up that it doesn't say that okay oh to like stay up like that it does they didn't say anything like that it, both of his his um fiance and his mom seemed very taken aback by that was he trying to get away from his fiance could have been but i'm like all you had to like it was it didn't require all of this it does it didn't i I think he had a mental i mean honestly i do think he had some sort of mental break Break. Mm -hmm. just like that's why i included all that stuff about his history because i'm like he had a rough time of it you know he Mm -hmm. had his heart broken by not be you know his basketball career ending when he was in his prime and all of that i think that could contribute to it and then he has a history of drug use alcohol use he's he doesn't speak to his father anymore all of these things can contribute but that doesn't explain where he went like girl just into thin air i don't know and it, honestly i will say for this investigation it does seem like they did really try yeah. They were using like heat seeking sensors and shit like that trying to find him. Like mm-hmm. I really do feel like they searched for this man. Yeah. I think if he if he really ran out of gas and why would his car Okay, why would the car be dead? Cuz it's in the in the heat. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know how why why the battery was dead. Cuz I can understand running out of gas and then needing to go find someone to assist you. That's true. Why would the car be? Why would the car battery die? Was he That's chased by question. someone, and he just like ran out? No, because no. But also, I'm just thinking of how of like big he is. Who's chasing this man? This is a tall man, girl. There are things we don't know. Ooh, that's a mystery for your ass because I don't I can't even. I'm just like how he could have like got, he could have hitched a ride on a semi, but then it's just like. I guess he could have done that and assumed a completely new life somewhere else. But just like, why didn't you take any of your things with you? No money, no nothing. This one is just going to have to honestly say a mystery because (laughs) it seems like all the stones were turned over and nothing came of it. So (sighs) alien abduction, something like makes no sense. Honestly, I was going to say that, but I was like, it's going to make this podcast a little (laughs) weird now. But this man had fallout, fell out of, I know. <laughs> he crossed over into a different dimension because he's Something. not here. My goodness. Well, I hope he's alive. I hope one day he just knocks on her door, knocks on Jennifer's door. Is like, I'm sorry, I got kidnapped or something. <laughs> like something. I don't know. <laughs> Why? This is so he's weird. Disappear and then show up and, and be like, you moved on? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's real messed up. 
It's like Castaway. Did you ever see that movie Castaway? Yes. Yeah, how he's gone. How long was he on that island for like 12 years? Then he came back to his wife and she had moved on, but she still loved him. It was so sad. Wait, I forget. What happened? Did they get back together after he came back? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because she has like a a husband and children Children, at that point. It was stressful. Okay. Fun dip. Fun dip. Something short and sweet. Take a deep breath. It's just a bad day. Not a bad life. True. For the most part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take it, apply it as you see fit. You know where to find us, B, Twitter, IG, at 60 forever, ever. It's just one forever, by the way. I always mess people up with that. Um, it was a pleasure having you guys. Thank you so much. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it, friends. Happy to be back, and we will talk to y'all next week. Yes. Bye.